This is Thomas, a.k.a. a mad painter. I'd like you to join me Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Open Canvas. Don't forget to bring an open mind. Yes, folks, that's all right. Bring an open mind to an open canvas. Again, that is Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern. You oppose to government corruption. This is Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. This is the people's war. It is our war. We are the fighters. Fight it, then. Fight it with all that is in us. And may God defend the right. Warning, warning. We've got to stop them. They're going to kill us all. See how the trouble you've started? Be they the government, be they industry, be they organized labor, be they anyone. Or human beings. Time when the operation of the machine becomes so orient. Makes you so sick at heart. You can't take part. You can't even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. And you've got to win the day to the people who run it, to the people who own it. And unless you're free, the machine will be prevented from working at all. Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com, the number one listener-supported talk radio station, throwing ourselves upon the gears of the machine. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. You called down the thunder, well now you've got it. you tell them I'm coming, and hell's coming with me, you hear? Hell's coming with me! Revolution Welcome to Crip Ricks, I've Been Thinking. What's this show all about? Well, it's all in the title. He enjoys interviewing people about issues that he finds interesting, and which cause him to sit back and think. Cryptocurrency. True crime. Natural law. The occult. No topic is off limits here. He has always enjoyed when people give their points of view or thoughts on different topics that they have researched. And what makes it all great? that it's their unique take on what is being discussed. For that reason alone, it makes it interesting to him. So take that walk down to his crypt. Make yourself comfortable. And just maybe, he will be discussing a topic that you have been thinking about. Here's your host, Crypt Rick. Well, welcome everybody. We are back. Another week's has started. Crypt Ricks, I've been thinking, and I tell you, it's a, it's actually. I gotta let everyone know that I thought that spring. I keep telling people that the weather's getting warmer here up in Canada where I live, and I am sad to report that it actually did snow uh, last night and the day before. So yeah, you know, I don't know. Spring just seems to be eluding me, and it's cold again. It's it's awful. So I'm hoping that the weather does start to warm up. Uh, soon because I've had just about enough of this cold weather and I'm so ready for spring as I keep telling you guys. So hopefully, you know, this week it starts to warm up because it is, it is quite cold out there, uh, the last couple of days. So not fun that way. But before I get my guest on, I just want to let everyone know, I always let everyone know that, you know, it is listener supported here, Radar Revolution Radio, which mean I always tell you guys, you guys are what make this all work. 
by your donations and helping keep freedom alive, uh, keeping freedom of speech alive. And it's super important now more than ever because, uh, as everyone knows, they are taking away our freedoms and our rights and uh, freedom of speech. And all they're trying to censor people at every chance they can. And so it's great to support uh, a place where that is not happening and freedom of speech is, you know, doing very well and lots of great uh, content on Revolution Radio, lots of great hosts. So, I mean, if you can definitely donate, lots of ways to do that. You can do uh, through uh, cryptocurrency. If you uh, you know somebody that's into crypto, you got Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, uh, Ethereum. You can also do uh, Patreon, where if you want to do a monthly way, where they take a little bit of money out of your account every your bank account every month, whatever amount that you want to choose, and that way you can definitely help support that way. And don't forget to check out the store too. Lots of great merchandise in there. There's shirts and cups. Some cups now that are being designed by Mad that for uh, some of the uh, hosts on Revolution Radio, which are really cool. So check them out because I think the cups look amazing. So uh, definitely a great way to help. Everything is appreciated, guys, and it all goes to helping keep freedom alive and as long as we can. So like I said, everything helps. So thank you, guys, for if you can. It's greatly appreciated. So now with that out of the way, I just want to let everyone know I have a great guest uh, this evening to join me. And I did first find this gentleman's work. I did come across it on YouTube, and he did um, a presentation called The Human Condition. And when I saw that presentation, it really, really resonated with me. It was uh, He was talking about a lot of the things that I've been speaking about when it comes to, uh, like, the, how kids are being raised these days and uh, the schooling system. Because you guys, if anyone's listening to me for any amount of time on here, you know that I talk about how I was uh, in a uh, Catholic public school and did not get along well in that environment at all, uh, mostly because I was always questioning people and the teachers and the priests and that. So I definitely, you know, as you guys know, I didn't get along in that environment. And so he was talking, we were, you know, in that presentation, that's the stuff he was talking about and the call techniques that are going on in our school system and stuff. So it was an amazing presentation. And I'm definitely going to, in the, after the show, I'm going to leave links in the chat for you guys so you guys can uh, get to his YouTube page. You can also find him on the One Great Network. Uh, I'll leave that a link in there in the chat at the end of the show so you guys can go check it out there. A lot of great uh, creators on that site too, uh, teaching natural law, objective morality, uh, talking about the occulted things in the world. So definitely check that out, guys. So I just want to welcome my guest, and we do have Brandon Spencer on. How are you doing, Brandon? And thank you to be here tonight. Hey, thanks for having me. I am doing well. Oh, that's great to hear. And I thank you so much for taking the time and coming to talk uh, with us tonight because I think that we have to start speaking out uh, and talking about the things that are going on and this world. And I know that I was telling you, like, off air, that I, I definitely – sit back and wonder all the time like how did humanity get to where it is and the condition that it's in and why do and i'm very fascinated on why people believe what they do the way they think so when i saw your presentation on the human condition it really resonated with me it was a great presentation oh thank you thank you um before you know you know i get into mm -hmm. you know this discussion i want to you know um you know give thanks to jordan maxwell Yes, he passed away last week, and he was a great teacher. He was a uh, a, a great mentor toward me and many or, and many others, and he dedicated his life to trying to educate people and the truth. 
and we need more people, you know, who are willing to take up that role and try to educate and raise awareness and raise people's consciousness. So, yeah, a big thanks to him and all the work that he did. You know, he's going to be missed. For sure. Yeah, it's a great teacher. I totally agree, and I hope you rest in peace because I agree with you. We need more teachers like him uh, because, I, as I keep telling people, we're definitely in a, in a very big battle here. I think we're at a big tipping point, and um, we definitely need more teachers out there. So I definitely appreciate anyone that's out there trying to educate people and uh, wake them up. So, I, you know, definitely, 100%. He's going to be missed. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at my bullet points here. Actually, guys, I do have bullet points. I'm trying to keep uh, some things on course here because there is a lot to cover here. So, I, I, Brandon, I'm just like, we might as well just jump right in. I mean, I was, when I was looking at your presentation, I was definitely writing bullet points down. I've watched it a few times already, and mm-hmm. I wanted to cover things because you definitely – I've always wondered where like, – like I was saying, how we got to where we are. And I definitely have always known that – if you chase it back to the root and you go right to it, it's got to start at the beginning. And that's in with parenting and in our schooling systems. I mean, if you go right down to the root of it, and that's what you kind of talk about a lot in this presentation. So, like, what can you let us go? What is going on in our schools? Like, let people know, because I definitely see the cult techniques that they're doing in uh, schoolings, the schooling system. I was part of it when I was in the uh, Catholic school that I was in from grade one to eight. So let people know, like, what's going on, like, in the schools. Jump right in where you want to start. Sure, sure. Well, I titled that presentation The Human Condition. Um, And to get better clarity, you need to understand the words. So condition, you know, what is a condition? You are referring to a mental state of mind uh, or, you know, a state because the state of mind is going to create emotions and then that's going to lead to means of behavior and actions so the reason why i titled it the human condition because our mental framework can be changed um our mental framework is not set in stone so the conditions on this planet are not set in stone they can be changed and the reason why it's not changing is because we aren't getting to the root causal factors that are you know creating these terrible conditions so what are some of these, you know, terrible conditions that we are seeing? Um, negative parenting or um, just a lack of parenting. And uh, we see that the state, um, you know, these state indoctrination camps are sadly the ones who are parenting majority of the children. And sure. the reason I came across this is, uh, you know, Thankfully, I have followed Mark Passio's work and he talked about the four main cult techniques. And I just started to, you know, do my own research because you can't just believe, you know, anyone, which no one should believe anything that I'm saying. You should take the information in and do the research for yourself. Exactly. But, but as I was doing my research, I started to see like, hey, these same cult techniques we see in the schoolings, you know, like in the whole school systems. Then I looked at you know, what does the word school means? Um, one of his earlier connotations was um, a gaggle of fish, you know, a uh, fish all swimming together to pretty uh, to pretty much create like one giant swarm. Mm-hmm. And they move with the tide. They move with the flow. 
So that's kind of what we see in the whole schools is we see these young minds, these young creative minds going into these government state indoctrination camps and they're just going along with the flow. They're moving with the tide. They're not, you know, they're not creating any kind of ripple effect. They're just going along to get along and the creativity is being destroyed. So how does this come about? Well, you have to understand that that the first cult technique, and this is with any cult, is isolation. And this is the main foundation in order for the other techniques to take away. And you have to isolate the individual from true knowledge. You have to isolate the individual from their family. You have to isolate the individual from friends. You have to isolate the individual from true love. And that's what we see in these schools. Um, you know, a lot of kids will start off in preschool and then they'll go into kindergarten. Well, imagine being that young individual. You're like four or five. You've been spending a lot of quality time with your mother and your father in a loving environment, supposed to be loving environment. And then you are put into a, a different environment who you are that you are not familiar with. That is actually traumatizing for most, you know, for most kids. Yes. So you, it was for me. It was yes, for me. Yes. So you have been isolated from your parents. You have been isolating from, you know, from um, your other siblings. You're going into an unfamiliar environment. So that can create fear, which a lot of, um, you know, you know, kids first day of school is extremely traumatizing. You know, yes. they're crying. They don't want to leave. Um, they don't know what's going to happen. So in this means of, of isolation, you know, remember, predators always isolate their victims from the pack. They always isolate their victims, you know, from the herd. Just imagine in the desert, in the African plains, you know, the lions are always isolating their victims from the herd, mm -hmm. getting them ready, you know, for the kill, priming them, you know, for the kill. So we have seen this in many you know how cult schools are are cults too is they isolate the the individual because when you isolate them you can control the environment to shape and mold their mind with the conditions that are going to lead to whatever the social engineer or controller or the master wants them to be in so you isolate them from their natural environment or their natural or their natural you know habitat and then you isolate them into a proxy environment, a constructor, uh, a, a constructing environment. Mm -hmm. And in that way, the information will come in. Right. Well, then if they have you in that isolated uh, environment, then they can teach you whatever they want. Basically, you're at the the whim of the controllers. I mean, whatever they want to teach, that's what they can start hammering into you from the time you enter kindergarten. Like it Correct. starts. And uh, and I do know, like, the one thing that I, I can guarantee is that what they're not teaching uh, these young minds is anything resembling natural law or objective morality or anything about, you know, just principles or consciousness or anything like that. They are definitely not promoting that type of uh, uh, knowledge. They're, you're already at that young age. They're already starting the process of leading you away from that as quickly as possible looking into that information right right and also too in this means of isolation there is no other support system 
outside of the cult. And this is key here because we all need that support. You know, you are a young, a, a young mind, a young individual. You are going to need that support system, you know, you know, from the family dynamic. But because that's been cut off, you've been isolated from that. You have to rely on the support of the cult, mm-hmm. of the teacher, of the master or the social engineer. This is key here. You know, so isolation is the main technique. And then that leads into the second technique, the second main technique, which is her conformity. You know, this is where we see the whole uniforms. I had to wear, you know, her uniforms when I went to these cult indoctrination, her government schools, because you were shaping not only their mind, but the physical characteristics all as one. You know, you have to walk in a straight line. You have to raise your hand. You know, to be asked, uh, you know, how to be called upon. This is what leads to the destroying of creativity. This is what leads to the destroying of the, you know, the creativity in the right hemisphere of our minds, getting everyone to all act the same. And this is what we see in society. You know, they'll say, hey, there's no difference, you know, than you or I. You know, how there's no difference in man or woman. You know, we're all. You know, we're all just the same. This is collectivism. And that's what the schools are teaching in this cult mentality is collectivism. So in this collectivist mindset, yes, there is no individuality. You go along with what the group says. You are force fed these indoctrinated ideas, you know, these slogans. You know, we saw this all throughout the past two years. You know, these catchy slogans that sound good, that mesmerizing. But on paper, they don't mean anything. But yet we saw everyone gaslighting and using these slogans. Why is that? Because majority of the people on this planet have gone through these cult techniques, these these cult indoctrinations, and they've never really alleviated them or, 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 you know, got rid of these techniques. So therefore, they're operating based on this negative programming. For sure, and that, and that was what, that's what I told people. And if anyone's like I was saying, listening to, listen to my previous shows, because I went to a Catholic school, uh, public school, uh, they did not want you questioning stuff. I found that out very very quickly. That if you questioned uh, the priest or you questioned a teacher, and you actually started like having serious questions and doubting what they were saying or going against what they were saying, you were dealt with very swiftly. Like it was, they did not want you questioning. It was like you had to, you know, basically just memorize what they're telling you. And then that was what they wanted. But as soon as you started showing, and and I can only speak from my case, like where I went to school, but when I start, when you started, when I started, I should say, asking questions and questioning their beliefs and that I was right in the principal's office. Like they didn't want no, no part of that. It was like, nope. You, and then they call my parents and that, and they, and I couldn't believe, it, even at that young age, I was like, I'm getting in trouble for asking a question, like, and I'm questioning things that they're teaching me, and and I'm, I can tell 100% they did not like that. So you are exactly right that they do not want free thinkers in the schooling system. They, they, that's the last thing they want. They don't want you questioning authority at all. Right, and you know, asking questions should be encouraged. Exactly. Whenever- Right. Whenever anyone is telling you, hey, shut up, sit down, don't ask questions, you have a problem. That is tyranny because how can we ever learn anything if we don't, you know, ask questions? But that's what the indoctrination camps are for is to force feed you their ideology 
their outcome-based education because the outcome is going to be based on the programming of the negative conditions that are being laid down. You know, mm-hmm. so that's why in every totalitarian state or every totalitarian in you know, a regime, the ones who ask, the one who who asks questions, they got dealt with. You know, yep. it was violence or thrown in jail, and that's what we are seeing today. But the conditions that are present now are the same conditions that were installed in these schoolings. You know, just like you said, you would try to ask questions and you would be silenced. You know, you would be disciplined, mm-hmm. and it's. That right there creates more trauma because other people in the collective mindset see you asking those questions and they see what happens to you. And then subconsciously they're saying to themselves, well, I don't want that to happen to me. So now I know not to repeat that same thing. That's how the conditioning works in the group mentality. And that kind of will get into the whole the whole awkward condition. But, you know, I'll touch upon that later, you know, right. You know, with the whole punishment and reward. Oh, for but, sure. Um, yeah, I found that fascinating in your presentation. I can't wait till we talk about that because when you broke that down, I was like, wow. Like you can when you when you when you start to see it, you really see it. Like it's, it's so obvious. And I I'm fortunate that I saw that at a young age in a way that you know as soon as I started asking questions, I, as you said, I was dealt with swiftly. And it it would it would encourage all my friends not to want to ask questions because they know if they do or they go against the grain. They're going to get in trouble. They're going to get, and it was always in, they always made sure to make an example of, uh, at least we're in my class, they wanted to make an example out of you in front of the class. So it was not just, you know, let's pull you aside and have a talk with you or something. No, let's first embarrass you and humiliate you and, and, uh, center you out in front of the class for just asking questions and then go to the principal's office and then you get it again from them. And it was, it was crazy. It really was. In actuality, it's no different than, the public hangings or the public executions, you know, that would happen in Europe like way, way back in the day because that creates trauma on a collective scale. People see what's happening. People feel guilt. They feel shame. And then also, too, it creates a means of disassociation with the ones who does ask questions because then you go try to associate with other people and then they look at you like you're an outsider, you know, yep. you know, you're a, a, a dissident you're not going along with the party so in a troublemaker you're yes, a troublemaker yes. yep yes you start to become outed from the group and that right there will lead to a, another means of isolation within that individual so you so let's move on to the uh to the third technique you know which is repetition because you can't just do these techniques once or twice you have to get it installed in the subconscious mind so you have to repeat these techniques over and over and over and over i mean you know just uh, look at these schools you go in at kindergarten so first second third fourth fifth sixth seventh eighth ninth tenth eleventh twelfth grade that's a long time yeah these these conditions are set throughout all of those schooling years. Even when you go to majority of the universities, these conditions are still present. Even when you go get a corporate slave job, these conditions are present. Because even if you go and work for Google or 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 whatever big time corporation, they are going to isolate you from everyone else to install their means of how they operate or or what company policy is. Exactly. And then and then they're going to have the herd conformity too. you know, you know, we are, you know, you know, the whole group, they talk as though like it's one big family. There's no ever mention of I. There's no mention of 
of individuality. It's all team based. And right. then, you know, you know where you see that, Brandon, is in the military. In oh yeah, in religion, in the stat like the you know the main religions. Uh, I think of the police force. Oh yeah, um, definitely military. Like that's the first thing that came. Government. I see that with government, and so I mean, like that is what, when you're describing, you see that, and that starts in the schooling. They start yes. you very young into that whole mindset. So when you get into an age where you can like join the military and stuff like that, you're well on your way to being part of the the whole cult. And into yes. that mindset. Wow. Yeah, because I mean, let's be honest that the military and the cops who was just, you know, like order followers, that is just another branch of the cult, you know, like underneath the the umbrella of the government cult that's underneath the umbrella of the cult of death. But, yeah, they use these same techniques, too, you know, because when you go enlist, you get you get shipped off to basic training. And we all know that, you know, going in these means of basic training, you're isolated. Um, you're going into a different you know, environment. Um, the herd they mentality. Break you, you know, right down. They break yeah. you right down. And yep. Wow. Yeah, because that's what these techniques are, are meant to do is to break down your creativity, break down whatever formal identity that you have and break down your, your, your individuality. Because in that means of being broken, you can be led and controlled because when once you are broken, that creates more trauma and more fear. And any person with two brain cells should know that in a mindset of fear, you cannot create anything. You cannot have more discernment. You lose all means of logic. Mm -hmm. So that's why they constantly use repetition to recreate these, you know, have these means of control. Uh, just like in the whole training of the order followers, you know. They'll come wake you up in the middle of the night to do, you know, help drills. Well, then your mind can't get, pro you know, help, uh, help proper sleep, you know, help, uh, help proper REM sleep. So, so it can't really heal. It can't really take short term knowledge and transfer it over into long term knowledge, you know, help with the hippocampus. So then that's going to create almost like a schism within yourself because you need the proper amount of sleep to rejuvenate and, and help re-energize the uh, body. Right. And that's, yes. And then that's what they do. They they keep you on that. They keep you tired, sleep deprived. They keep you exhausted by the basic yes. training. They they constantly you, they have you running and doing PT and and all of that. So they're attacking a person's core at all. Like they're attacking every aspect of the person while they're tearing them down there and they're keeping them in that state. You're exhausted. You're you're mentally drained. You're not sleeping. Yes. Wow. Yeah. When you. Wow. And you see this with schooling, with just all the homework. Um, I, I mean, hell, in high school, think about it. You have like seven classes, 55 yep. minutes to a hour. OK, so you go from one class to another class to another class. That's not enough time for the mind to actually sit down and focus and dive into deep information. You know, so. Very so true. So they're giving you a lot of book work, you know, he'll read these chapters, you know, he'll do this assignment. And then within 55 minutes, you go to another class. Then 55 minutes, you go to another class. This creates sensory overload because the conscious mind can only take up so many bits of information. And anything more than it is able to take in, then it will start to panic. It will start to 
go into fear and then the subconscious mind will start to take over because that's what the subconscious mind is there to do is to protect the conscious mind from whatever forms of threats and fear is a is a huge threat for the unconscious mind so in this state of sensory overload once again that creates trauma it's like it's a self-defense mechanism you know and that's what these schooling systems are doing is, is is they are taking advantage of our own internal like animalistic parts our own held natural self mechanisms i'm sorry self-defense mechanisms and they are exploiting that and they are perverting that because most people are too ignorant to even understand how their own mind and psyche works and that's what the social engineers have been doing since day one is they are taking advantage of us and you because you are ignorant of how these tools work because these same tools can be used for good you know it's just like it's just like any other tool it can be used for negative purposes you know for bad slash evil purposes and the same tool can be used for good and positive purposes so it's up to the individual to understand this stuff and shift their consciousness and and expand their means of perception knowledge and growth and gnosis to be able to create something good by coming to an understanding of this. And that's how we really even the playing field is we have to take in the knowledge first. We have to understand how these techniques of mind control work because these same techniques of mind control can be used for mind influence, mind influence upon ourselves and mind influence on other people and especially mind influence on raising the youth. So, you know, we're talking about how repetition because you have to get it installed in the subconscious mind over and over and over again. And that leads to the fourth or the last major technique of cults, which is fear and trauma. That's you a know, huge one. Yes. <laughs> I mean, at least it wasn't my, yeah, look, I can yes. see that as their big, big one. Keep people traumatized and in a constant state of fear. Yes. And we see this in the whole schooling system. You know, they'll say, well, you want to get a good job, all right? You want to get into college, you know, because Remember in the school systems, at least at the time when I, you know, was going in, in like the early 2000s, um, no one wanted to be a high school dropout. You know, like freaking that was shunned. And, right. and the ones who didn't go to college were pretty much, you know, shunned too. You know, like everybody wanted to go get into a, a good college because it was all about social status. You know, it was all about bragging rights per se, you know, and you didn't want to be the one individual who didn't go to college. And believe it or not, that was me. Like I was the one dude who stayed at home when everyone else went to college, you know. So, so, you know, I was already, you know, on the right steps, you know, way back when, even though I didn't, I didn't recognize it, but trauma and fear, you know, the whole, the whole being ostracized from your friends or from the group. That creates fear because no one wants to be alone. Then you're getting into some deep, deep psychological trauma as far as being abandoned, which we all suffer from that, you know, help parental abandonment. For sure. In but, some form we do. All of yes, us. Yes. But, it, you know, but in the schooling system, it is purposely there to create trauma because think about it. You have only 24 hours in a, a day. You usually sleep for you know, eight hours. Okay. That's a third. And then you're in school for a third. So it's like, okay, that's a third of your time where you are stuck in the indoctrination camps. All the traumatic experiences, you know, that you are going to go through. That, and what's like, even worse is that in, in when you're in school, you go, you're spending all of that time during the day in class. And then at least in my case, then the teachers would load you up 
with enough homework every night that you didn't even have time to go home and let your brain relax because as soon as you got home, I know my parents would be like, well, let me see what homework you have. And I would have – every class would give me homework. It was in, it was crazy. And I used to say to my mom, I remember arguing with her like, when do I – how do I – am I supposed to juggle all of this? Like I got to go to school from – like in, in my class – in my – where I live, it was like I think a class started at like 8.15. It's been a while, so I'm not sure now, but it was like 8.15, and I think we got out at – three something in that area and then i would go so i would be doing that all day and then i would get home and i'd have another four hours of homework so yeah. i mean you know your brain never they never give you a chance to even digest the information you took in in class yeah that's crazy that's creating the conditions right there is because that mindset is already, you know, fear, fear, fear. It's all over the place. It can't slow things down. It can't process right. anything. So later on in life, it's been doing that, you know, from a early age. So he'll be wonder why he'll when we go get these slave jobs. You know, we're doing eight, ten hours a day. We come home. We're so mentally drained. And what do we do? We get in front of the television. We yep. crack down and have that beer. Or, or we're too mentally tired. We don't want to cook. So we go get that you know, the GMO fast food or, or we just plop in front of whatever piece of technology. We don't spend any time, you know, help for on the self. Don't spend any time with our loved ones because we're too tired. We're too drained. But you see, all of these conditions are created at, in an early age in the schooling environment. And that's what people have to understand is these conditions are purposely set up in order to keep you in this state of mind in order to keep you in this slave mind, because that's what they are. That's what they are creating are just slaves, you know, slaves that can push buttons or, or go and get these corporate jobs doing whatever, you know, you know, hell they want you to do. It's, it's no teaching of objective morality, no oh, teaching of critical yeah. thinking. <laughs> For yeah, sure, yeah. All the creativity has been weeded and taken out of public schools. It has nothing to do with art. Nothing to do with the trivium. It doesn't teach you how to think. It's teaching. It's just, it's not even teaching. It's indoctrinating you on what to think, on what to say, because yeah. most people just regurgitate what they hear over and over and over, you know, yeah. and that's the problem. And the problem, too, is enough people have not come to a conscious realization of this. Because people should be pulling their kids out of public schools. I mean, some people started doing, you know, when we saw this whole COVID nonsense, but not enough. <laughs> I mean, right. it should get to the point to where people have pulled their kids out of school that the mainstream medias are talking about it. You know, like, hey, um, you know, the public schools are losing money because they can't fill enough seats. Mm -hmm. You know, but we're not right. seeing that. Exactly. And, 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 and the way that and the way you were just saying about them in the schooling system, they don't want creativity. I, I remember when I think back that and when I've looked from the research I've done you and I'm, I want to get your thoughts on this, Brandon. And I think you're going to see what I mean by this is that when you see them, then they say that they don't have enough money for the schooling and they got to do cutbacks. And and those and everybody's heard schools saying that I always notice that what they do cut back on, it seems, is the art programs, the music programs, the sport programs like they they're not cutting away any of the of the, you know, the nonsense like that they're teaching you. They get away this forms of creativity that make people 
feel good about themselves, stand out uh, and show a talent and stuff like that. What are your thoughts on that? Because that's what I see, at least where I live, is that they're cutting the art programs seem to be taking the hit in the music programs for sure. Right. They they have an agenda and they want to be tailored toward a left, you know, you know, left hemisphere, left right. brain, you know, predominantly. So anything outside of that agenda gets weeded out, you know, how the art, you have music, you know, have dance, you know, have performance, you know, have sports, anything that's going to like teach you like any like real life skills or like any true cohesion with other people is going to be taken out because they don't want that. They just want a slave class that's just, you know, just just somewhat able to push a, a, a button and follow orders, you know, and that's what we have seen in the past 20 years is the kids are getting dumber and dumber, you know, because there's no creativity. There's no help for individuality. They're all doing the same dance. They're all regurgitating the same stuff. I mean, like very, very, very few times you may come across a, a, a child, you know, that has true intelligence, you know, that has proper moral guidance, you know, who parents did a good job. I mean, like it's, it's so extremely rare. And, you know, mind you, we talked before the show, I work around kids. And it's a sad thing to see, you know, it's no attack upon anyone's child. It's an attack upon the bad parenting because sadly we have kids who are raising kids. We have, we have adults that may look like physical adults, but mentally, psychologically, emotionally, and most of all, spiritually, they are still children because they never really grew up, never really grew up. Mm -hmm. That's why they act the way that they do. You know, they'll, They'll have their temper, you know, have temper tantrum, you know, when they don't get their way. They are stuck in an emotional state. You say something against their religion. You say something against their government or, or you say or you just don't agree with them and they'll lash out at you. Highly, highly emotional, almost like they are operating in the animalistic consciousness because they are acting on the animalistic consciousness. Only thing they want to do is is um is, is sleep around, you know, hoard. Uh, you know, have control, greed. They are acting like beasts on the plains of the of of the um, African desert. They're acting like the hyenas. They're acting like the the lions, and they just want to hoard and take whatever they can. And that's you know the mindset of most adults. You know, and sadly that's the mindset of the you know help most children because at a certain age the child doesn't have that conscious mind it's just taking in information from his environment from his parents uh you know help from whatever peers so that conscious mind has to be developed over time you know and that's what the subconscious mind is going to do is their subconscious mind that holds and stores all the information is going to mold that conscious mind so you know we see that you know kids at a, a, a very early age they just want, you know, everything. Oh, that's mine. You know, oh, oh, you know, you know, you know, you know, that's mine. You have to teach them, you know, how to share. You have to teach them certain concepts. But if that is not taught, you know, as that conscious mind starts to be, you know, how, you know, how developed, then that's when that negative influence will start to creep in because these basic core principles were never installed at an early age. No understanding of, you know, you know, how morality. And mind you, 
when you come into this world, kids kids do have an understanding of objective morality. They truly do. If For you sure. ever really if you ever really watch them play with other kids, they have this understanding. The problem is is as they get older and these conditions are present and installed within in them, that understanding of objective morality gets paved over by societal influence. It gets 100%. paved right over. And they don't ever really truly understand those principles because it was never really, you know, you know, brought to the conscious surface. So what they do understand or, or what they lack of, of understanding is going to be is to that negative programming, which was repeated over and over and over and over and over and over again in those 12 years of these indoctrination camps. So, you know, I've explained the human condition as far as the schooling. You can see the, the same conditions in parenting, the whole isolation, the parents who want to just isolate their kids from other kids, the parents who want to isolate their kids and put them in, in an environment of just technology. That's something else that we have seen see, today. Yeah. Oh, I yes. see that. That's that's what made me really hone in on your presentation because I was I have I don't have children myself, but I have a lot of friends that do have children. And I was I've seen that firsthand where they're not spending any time with the children, like no quality time. And I just see. A lot of the younger kids in this day and age, they're all on tablets, they're all on their phone or on the computer and playing video games and that. And that to me is like is what's raising them. And I'm, yeah. that's what got me thinking, like, what are the kids that are coming up? That's what I worry about is the children that are coming up behind us. Like, what's the world that we're leaving them uh, and what they're going to inherit from us? And it's a, and I can just imagine in another five years, if we, ten years, if we make it that far, how bad the world's going to be if we keep going down this path. But, I mean, I just see the, a lot of parents letting the technology raise their kids. And I'm just like, wow, like, that's dangerous. <laughs> yeah. And then with this technology, you open them up to social media. And we see the cancer that social media is. Oh, for sure. And, wow. and yep. this is where the herd conformity comes in because all those kids see, see other kids are acting this way. So then hell, they say to themselves, well, you know, hell, if, if that's how everyone else is acting, then I should act that same way. You know, mm-hmm. hell, I should dress the same way. You know, hell, I should do that same dance that everyone is doing. Hell, I should make these TikTok videos. And that's what we see is these kids stuck in his herd conformity. And then, of course, the repetition is there because they spend, Lord have mercy, what hours upon hours upon hours, you know, you know, have regurgitating and, and have watching these, uh, you know, how these videos are being on Facebook or uh, Twitter or whatever garbage social media, you know, mm-hmm. hell is, you know, like it's the hip thing nowadays. And then, of course, the whole trauma and the fear really, the trauma is really, not spending any time with their, you know, no, uh, you know, a parent. Right. That's where the abandonment, the abandonment comes in is because the technology is raising the child that the mother or the father or the steward or whatever form of guardianship or role model is not there to spend any quality time. So that role gets substituted for technology. So, so, so that internal makeup, that internal fulfillment is not present. It gets negated. Right. It gets substituted for something else that is a proxy. And mind you, that's where later on in life that trauma is going to work its way up to the surface. 
Exactly. 100%. That's what I've been trying to tell people. And another thing I found out too, Brandon, that worries me too is, is it, and I'm sure that anybody that's went to the public school and school can relate to this, is that you know, kids are, can be mean to each other, like in the whole, like school system and stuff like that. There's teasing and, and people get picked on and stuff like that in some form or another that does go on. And, and I can only speak for myself when I talk about this, that in public school like that, and that was what kind of happened and stuff, but it kind of, um, the teasing and all that would kind of end when you got home. I'm, I, and I, you'll see where I'm going with this. It, the kind of like the teasing that went on at school now, you could get a break from that when you went home in a lot of cases. But now with the social media, you see like so many children's lives are just getting destroyed because of online bullying and uh, just how mean people are, like young people are already. Well, everybody actually online, you know, when you look in comment sections and that they're attacking each other and you know making facebook pages about people they don't like and i just always wonder i'm always wondering and thinking to myself like what is the damage that this social media is doing to these young children like when they're you know they're getting picked on it could be at school or maybe even continues at home and then they go online and they get it they get it hammered online because you know i mean people can be online i'm sure you know that as we all do it, the, yes. the damage is that's going to manifest somewhere along the way. It's got to. Yes. And, um, you know, we have seen these videos of, you know, kids who have this technology and, you know, the parent tries to take it away and the kid just goes bonkers. You know, oh, I've screaming. seen it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, you know, hissy fit, you know, temper tantrum. But look at it like this. The child's world is that technology. You know, you, you know, so the child is engaged in, is engaged in this technology 24 seven. So to the child's mind, that is his reality. So what happens when someone shatters your reality? It creates trauma. That's, that is a life or death situation because we all should know, you know, like what it feels like to, you know, like to have your worldview kind of shattered. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't make you feel good, but it's going to create a certain response within you that fight or flight or freeze is going to kick in. And that's why these kids react that way because to them, their whole world is being destroyed. You know, like how can they talk to their friends on Twitter? How can they talk to their friends on Facebook? You know, like how can they get on Twitch? You know, you know, how can they play what halo online? You shattered the whole reality. And that's why they react that way because they identify hell with this technology and that technology is their identity because he'll remember in this tech, in this technological, you know, realm, it's pretty much like a fake artificial realm. You know, the whole Facebook, you know, hell like me, you know, follow me is creating like these old fake personas, you know, right. Yeah. The whole fake profiles and shit. But to the, but to the, uh, to most kids, that's the real world, sadly. But in actuality, that's the fake world. So, People need to get a good understanding of how this stuff works, you know, you know, because there is a role for technology. You know, technology is not good or bad. It's it's what you do with this technology. Technology is a tool, you know, so I know a lot of people don't like technology, but it needs to be understood. You know, without technology, we we would not be able to do what we're doing now. Technology is a means for us to take our thoughts and manifest it into the real world. It, it it has its uses, but people just look at technology as a computer, a laptop, a phone. 
Um, yeah, but a technology is anything that you create. I mean, I mean, let's be real about it. A shirt is a piece of technology, you know, because it can protect your skin. Anything that we create is technology, you know, so technology is going to always be here. It has always been here. You know, it's just what we choose to do with that. It is a double edged sword. For sure. Yes. And that's the thing is that we you can use your technology for nefarious reasons, bad reasons, or you can create good things with it. And that is what we need more people doing is creating the good things with the technology. And I was, I was against technology for a long time too. I was telling you offline that, that I, you know, I, for till recently, I didn't even have a laptop. Like I, I was just using my phone and stuff like that because I didn't, I was like, I don't want to be part of that. Like I'm not, I don't want to learn that. And then you, I soon realized that if you want to go out there and start getting the information out there, you have to learn technology and use it in the right ways. Yeah. And in today's day and age, there is no reason for people who should not be creating content or using their voices, either podcasts, you know, help record yourself. There is no excuse on why, you know, like anyone with an Internet connection, a tablet or a phone or a, a, a laptop can't do it. I mean, hell, this is embarrassing for me to say, but all the stuff that I have done, especially on my recent content, I've done it on a 13 inch laptop that only has eight gigs of RAM. You but know, you did it. Yes, <laughs> did yes. It. I learned OBS. I put in the uh, time. It is once you get started, I promise you, it's going to be so much. E- it's going to be so much easier. The hard thing is getting started. That's what I always say too. Yep, hundred percent. You know, but it's like once you do, you find your niche, you figure out, you know, like what you want to do and and how you want to create it, and the imagination will run. I I, I promise you, the imagination will run. There's so many things. Uh, you know, so many ideas, so many ways you can put it out. Hell, you can put it out in dance. Hell, you know, how record yourself. You know, a means of expression, artwork, music, poetry. There's, there's so many ways. Podcasts. You know, have video casts. You know, just record yourself. So many ways. You know, you know, yeah, it's, for sure. it's just getting started. For sure. And and I want to just while we're talking about the schooling, because with the, I wanted, I was talking to my friend who is a parent. And we are, I was talking to him and I got up the conversation with him. We were talking about your presentation and stuff like that. And I was saying, if I ever did have a, a child, I would homeschool for sure. I was like a hundred percent. I would not put them into the school system. I would find a way to homeschool. And his rebuttal was, and I, and I let you know this. I was talking to you last night and I said, I'm going to ask you about this because what I keep hearing from people that do have children is that, okay, homeschooling is a great concept. It's a great idea. I get why you'd want to do it, but the way that society is set up now, how is a parent supposed to do that when you need two people? You need the mother and the father, if the child's lucky and has the mother and father. They need both of them working full-time jobs just to pay the bills and put food on the table and provide clothing for the child and stuff like that. So how – that's what my friend was saying is like, okay, well, it kind of came at it from a few different ways, and, and I'll let you know, and then I'll let you comment on it. He was saying definitely how is a parent supposed to do that with the way that the world's set up now, which I told him is by design they don't want you homeschooling your kid, so that's why they're making it that hard to do. And then he also came at me with you need your child in school because that's where your school, your child learns about friendship. They get fr- their first friends in school. They get their a form of structure that he said that that is good. And so I want to get your thoughts on that because I've heard that not just from him, but from other people I've talked to with children. Like when I bring up homeschooling, they're just like, there's no way we can do it. 
Like, it's how? So I just want to get your thoughts on that. Well, remember, the social engineers are always going to put out propaganda. You know, so this sure. whole, <laughs> you know, this whole myth that your child has to be in a school environment in order to like learn social skills. Mm-hmm. Um, you can put your, uh, you know, you can put your child in like a sports program or, um, there's so many classes. You, you can take them to the grocery stores, park and, and he'll introduce them to other kids. You know, like there are so many other things that, you know, how that can introduce these same skills in a better, more widening form compared to just putting them in a school for eight hours a, a day. And yes, mind you, it is important for, you know, for kids to, you know, he'll interact with other kids. But right. schools are not the only way that, you know, you know, how that, that, that is applied. You know, you got sports programs, all kinds of classes, all kinds of camps, uh, you know, meetups. It's like you can find a way. Hell, the problem is people want to stay stuck in their ways and don't want to use their imagination to create certain conditions in order for things to actually materialize. You know, exactly. That's what I said to him. You're exactly what I said to him is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like use your imagination. You can come up with so many other ways. It's like pretty much what I'm hearing is, oh, because it's this way, it has to continue being this way. That's the only thing that I'm hearing. When I hear someone say that, and that's, I mean, let's be honest, that's a slave mentality. That is, that is a slave mentality, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah. pe- you know, people don't want to hear it, but that's just the way, I mean, like, that's just the way it is. It's like, it's like the slaves who were, you know, physical slaves. And it's like, um, well, you know, you know, how the master has always owned us. So, you know, you know, the master has to continue to own us because these conditions have always been that way. So, you know, things can never change. And once again, the death of the imagination is what leads to mind control. The death of the imagination is what leads to tyranny. The death of the imagination is what leads to slavery. And hell, mind you, in all of those techniques that hell that I listed, I brought up the death of the imagination, the death of creativity, the death of the of the individual. So we wonder why or now we understand why someone would say something like that, because they can't imagine anything outside of the conditioning, the, you know, you know, their way of thinking, because their way of thinking is the ultimate reality, you know. And that's what I that's what I was trying to tell him, too. I said, like, yeah, okay, schooling, you get you meet friends. Mind you, the people I met in in uh, public school, not I'm not friends with one of them. (laughs) So, I mean, how good was the friendships that I made? And I was trying to tell him that, too, that there's a lot of other ways you can you can introduce your child to to other children. Mm -hmm. I mean, like around the neighborhood, you know, I'm sure parents get to know other parents in the neighborhood and. You go to the park and you can meet friends there. And like you said, definitely sports is a great way to meet. So, you know, to me, like people that say that, it's just an excuse not to look a little deeper and find that there is other ways your child's going to meet friends in that. I mean, I'm not saying, I, and I think that's what people think when you say homeschooling is that you're just locking your kid in the house and teaching them and stuff and not getting them out there. You do have to do the work and, and get them out socializing and interacting with other children. And there is a lot of other ways you can do it. Like you mentioned for sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. it's, and, it's, it's, it is, what is the parent willing to sacrifice to make it happen? That's exactly. what it boils down to is, is what are you willing to lose or give up in order to gain? Because if you truly care 
about your child and you want to see your, you know, how your child develop and raise their consciousness and expand their way of thinking, then you will create the proper necessary conditions in order for that to manifest itself. Because that's what we are talking about is the conditions that are that that need to be met in order for us to create whatever situation because conditions are always required no matter what you do you know if you want to get a, a new car you have to meet the conditions in order to make that manifest if you want to get a, a new job you have to meet the proper conditions in order for it to manifest it's not just going to happen by doing nothing it's not going to happen by you just sitting on your ass you have to <laughs> well, yeah. take action you have to, you know, you have to gather your thoughts, you know, like you have to make it materialize. You have to make it happen. You know, you have to use willpower. And you see, that's where people fail is because they don't want to take action. You know, right. And that's why the conditions on this planet are going to continue to be the, you know, have the condition. And the condition is slavery. For sure, 100%. Yeah, I've been, that's what I've been saying, too. And I'm just checking here because I'm looking we're at I'm almost at the top of the hour so. Uh, we take a five-minute break, Brandon. I forgot to let you know that when I was talking sure. to you before that at the top of the hour, we take about a five-minute break and stuff. So I just want to let everybody know because I know that the music's going to probably kick on in about a minute or so. So might as well just let everyone know that I am speaking here with Brandon Spencer. We are talking about a lot of great stuff. So we're, you know, we're covering the human condition, talking about uh, – the indoctrination in the school system, the cult mental, uh, or the cult techniques, I should say, of the school system and bad parenting, which I want to talk a little bit more, uh, after the break. Maybe look at, uh, the, let's see here, the Pavlonian condition and the operant conditioning. I thought that was great on this presentation. So I'd love to talk about that, Brandon, if we can. Uh, and we can also talk about natural law and objective morality and all those good things, which I like to talk about. And, so we'll be back in about five minutes, guys. So I'll see you then. Radio, freedomslips.com, number one listener supporter radio, the printing press for freedom at a time when freedom is needed the most. 
I am Bill Johnson. Some consider my efforts to be an underground law school. I am not an attorney and I do not give legal advice. I teach. That's lawful and legal. Consider yourself served. You are to appear Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, Studio A. My forte? Foreclosure and contract law. Grab your legal pad and pen. Learn a broad spectrum of law spanning administrative, criminal, family, tort, and federal law. Fools and losers cling to old cases. I dissect and comment on the latest rulings that control the courts. Don't be a loser. And if you don't appear, you will be held in contempt. I will defend myself against their tyranny. Number three is my radio. I'm squarely in front of the public all the time, and they all know what's going on. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolith and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on for expanding its sphere of influence. Hello, my name is John Wayne, and I do a broadcast here at freedomslips.com, revolution.radio, called The Unequivocal Truth. DEFCON 1. And folks, I assure you, we are in Defense Condition 1 as we journey perilously through this paradigm that we currently reside in. And I ask that you join me every Saturday, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the unequivocal truth, DEFCON 1. The original machine had a base plate of prefamulated amulite surmounted by a malleable logarithmic casing in such a way that the two spurving bearings were in a direct line with a panometric fan. The lineup consisted simply of six hydrocopic marzal veins, so fitted to the ambifacient lunar wane shaft that side fumbling was effectively prevented. The main winding was of the normal lotus deltoid type placed in panendermic semi-boloid slots of the stator, every seventh conductor being connected by a non-reversible tremie pipe to the differential girdle spring on the up end of the grandmeters. Thank you for listening to Revolution Radio, taking the confusion out of transmutated lunar girdle springs for four years and running. Revolution Radio, the number one listener-supported alternative media radio on the planet. All right, thanks for listening while we took that short break here at Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com. And yeah, we're going to get back to your host. Well, welcome back, everybody. Hope everybody had a good little break there, got up to a little stretch, and maybe got yourself a coffee. I know that's what I do have to do. i got to get up and definitely stretch. So we are here with my guest, Brandon Spencer, and you can find him on YouTube. Uh, lots of great information on his YouTube channel, uh, great presentations, and you can definitely uh, find it on YouTube and learn a lot of stuff. Uh, so definitely check it out, guys. You can also find him on the One Great Network. Uh, that's Mark Passio's uh, site where there's amazing uh, content creators talking about a lot of great topics that we're talking about here, uh, natural law, the occult, uh, moral relativism, all these, you know, all the great topics, topics that need to be talked about and understood. So please definitely check out uh, that site too. 
the one great one the, the one great work network. I always mess that up, Brandon. It's awful. Welcome back, Brandon. It's a tongue twister for me, and I don't know why it shouldn't be. Yeah, uh, yeah. The one great work network. That's it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Thank you. Oh, my lord, I tell you, I always tongue tie on that one. Yeah, the one great work network. Com. There we go. So perfect. Thank you for joining me for the second hour, Brandon. We're learning and talking about some great stuff here, the human condition. We're talking about the indoctrination and cult techniques that they're using in the schooling system and uh, bad parenting, which is, you know, a major reason why we see a lot of the way people are in this day and age. And before the break, I wanted to... Uh, I wanted to see if you could touch on because I found part of the presentation I found really interesting and kind of cleared a lot of things up is the the Pavlonian condition and then the operant condition and uh, from B.F. Skinner. So if you could kind of touch on them and let people know what those are and the gist of it and stuff. Sure, sure. And um, I did a second presentation. It was called What is Behaviorism? Um, and I get into Pavlovian conditioning and operant conditioning because a lot of people are not familiar with it. Right. Um, so I'm going to talk about, you know, Pavlovian condition. And this has been, uh, you know, called classical conditioning, too. And this was termed by Ivan Pavlov. And first, I'm going to give the, you know, the definition of what classical condition is. And I'm going to talk about how he came to, you know, like to the understanding. So classical conditioning, a definition would be a learning process that occurs when two stimuli are repeatedly paired. A response which is first elicited by the second stimulus is eventually elicited by the first stimulus alone. And mind you, they say this is a learning process, but this is a form of conditioning and indoctrination. So, For sure. So mm-hmm. Ivan Pavlov, he was studying like like the stomachs of dogs or like something to do with like the gastrointestine and, and something like that. And he had dogs locked up in a, a cage. And he started to notice that once one of his colleagues came in to feed the uh, the uh, dog, that the dogs would elicit a response of, of salivating. And he noticed this, you know, like over a length of time. This wasn't just like, you know, like once or twice. It was through a means of repetition. He noticed this. So he came up with the idea like, hey, can he get the dog to create this same, you know, this same response? as a means of salvation by introducing another stimulus into the uh, picture. And remember, the definition was two pair stimulus. So the food would be uh, unconditioned stimulus because, you know, like that's just how a dog is going to react. It's not conditioned. It's just mm-hmm. uh, uh, um, a, a response. It's a stimulus, a, a, a stimulus response. So you introduce a stimulus, which would be the food that is an uncontrolled stimulus. And then that creates a response, which would be an uncontrolled response in salvation. So he introduced a bell and the whole the whole means of this is to get the dog to react to a bell. Hmm. We you know, like we've seen this before. Yeah. I was so, going to say that. Where have I seen yeah. this before? <laughs> yeah. So so he introduced a, a bell. He would ring a, a bell. This would not create the response that he wanted. So then. He's like, okay, you know, what if I introduce the food and the bell at the same time? And that's what he would do is each time he brought in the food, he would ring the bell and that would create 
an uncontrolled response because the dog is still reacting to the food. The dog is not familiar that he's actually being trained and programmed to react to the bell. I mean, you know, mind you, dogs don't have that means of intelligence. So through repetition and through time, I think it's like like six to eight times, you know, you can merge both of these stimuli together. So it got to a point where he could remove the uncontrolled stimulus, which was the food, and just ring the bell, and that would create the same response. So now you have a controlled stimulus. It's controlled because this is what the the social engineer, being Ivan Pavlov, wants you to react to. So it is a controlled stimulus and not an uncontrolled stimulus because it has been conditioned, you know, wow. in uh, it's been conditioned along with the food. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. It is a control. I'm sorry, a conditioned stimulus. So it has been conditioned along with the food. So the dog has paired the food and the the food and the bell together. So now you just ring the bell and that creates a controlled response within the dog. And this is where the conditioning in schools, you know, you know, have led to is is is, is this whole Pavlovian, you know, you know, her conditioning with the meat of, of repetition. But you see, there was one fatal flaw with conditioning in the means of Pavlovian and classical you know, health conditioning is over time, if you did not reintroduce the uncontrolled stimulus along with the controls, the conditioned uh, stimulus, okay. then it will start to die out. And he and he called this extinction, you know, so you would have to keep repeating, repeating and repeating this, you know, you know, because just over time, it's just going to die out, you know, to the right. point where you start to ring the bell and then that control response will start to become weaker and weaker. So, you know, this is where you introduce B.F. Skinner. Okay, so he took classical conditioning and he he made it stronger. What he did is he introduced reinforcements and punishments. Uh, all right, operant conditioning can be a little confusing, but just remember, when I say reinforcements, you're talking about strengthening a behavior. And what I mean by strengthening a behavior is you want to influence this behavior more and more. Right. So when you talk about punish, a, uh, you know, you know, punishment that weakens a behavior. This is, uh, you know, this is action and behavior that you want to weed out. So what B.F. Skinner did is, cre is he created Skinner boxes and he would put pigeons inside of boxes and, you know, like first the pigeon, you know, will, you know, will start to, you know, acquiesce to its environment. So B.F. Skinner would, you know, would want to get the pigeon to do like 360s or, you know, like spin around. And he would do this by introducing a positive reinforcement by the way of food. You know, you put a food, you know, toward its left. You do that a few times. OK, the pigeon starts to turn left. Then after you put, you know, the food toward its left, you put it directly behind it. You know, so it's like you're starting to mold it, you know. So then after you put the food behind the pigeon, you would put it, you know, toward its left then behind, then then toward its right. You know, so you're slowly molding the pigeon by way of positive reinforcement, by way of giving it treats, you know, because, you know, animals like treats. It creates a dopamine effect. Mm -hmm. So this is where you take classical conditioning 
into operant condition because you introduce reinforcements and you introduce punishment. Now, reinforcements, uh, you break that down into a positive reinforcement and you have a negative reinforcement. Same thing with punishment. You have a positive punishment and you have a negative punishment. When I say positive, you are adding a stimulus. When it's negative, you are subtracting, you are taking away a stimulus. So the best way to understand this is if you understand that a reinforcement is to strengthen a behavior, uh, a punishment is to weaken a behavior, then positive means you are adding a stimulus to the environment to create a response or to weaken a response. And then a negative reinforcement would be is you, you take something away. Same thing with a negative punishment is you take something away. So a positive reinforcement would be is you may add treats. You know, you may add rewards. Hey, if you go get this vaccine, you can win the lottery. Hey, you may get this gonna bring this up. Yeah, hey, you may get this free meal. Okay, because you're adding something. Food, you know, free marijuana, you know, you, you know, hell free, whatever. You're adding a stimulus to get someone to increase a behavior, to strengthen a behavior. Okay. Then you have the negative. You take something away. Hey, if you go get these vaccines, you don't have to wear the mask because they know people don't want to wear the mask. So it's like, okay, if you give up this, you can get this. If you get the vaccine, then you don't have to wear the uh, mask. Mm -hmm. So a negative reinforcement would be is you take away something that the subject doesn't want to do, you know, or here's another means of a negative reinforcement. Let's say you have a, a, a child is getting close to summertime and you tell the uh, child, like, hey, if you get good grades, then you don't have to do chores all summer. Yep. The, hell, the kid doesn't want to do chores to begin with. So you want to influence a certain behavior as far as getting good grades. So you take away something that they don't want to do as far as chores. It's almost like you are enticing them so you can strengthen a behavior. And that's what reinforcements are. So and that's um, exactly what they do in the world to us. Yeah. When you, when you yeah. break it down like that, and especially with COVID, like I was talking to you when we were talking off the air and I and I said to you, if you would have told me two years ago, Brandon, that they could have locked this whole world down um, with a scary story, I would have never believed it. I And I, I, I didn't think that humanity was that far brainwashed. I Maybe I was just hopeful. Well, I, I know I was hopeful. I know that now. And um, I just – I keep hearing, and I was telling you this too, that I keep hearing people say that people are waking up. There's a big awakening and and – if anything, COVID when what went down with that proved to me that we are I don't see this great awakening. I just don't. I mean, I see little pockets of people waking up, but a great awakening and the and everybody's starting to see this big awakening. I don't see it. I find anything. I see that we're getting worse. If I'm being mm -hmm. honest, we're getting worse. It's laughable because people will say that to create a proxy in their mindset so they can feel good to make it feel as though oh, you know. People are awakening so I don't have to get involved, you know, because other people are doing the work. It's almost like exactly. other people are rescuing me. So why do I need to get involved? Because, hey, if there's this magical, great awakening happening, <laughs> then what do little old me need to get my hands dirty? Yep. You know, 
if other people are doing the work, you know, if if Mark Passio is doing the work, you know, help David Ike, um, you know, so many other great people, you, you know, help, help David Whitehead. If they're all are doing the work, why do I need to get involved? Because, you know, people are already waking up, you know, so there's no point. There's no need. Right. You know, it's 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 a it's a BS mentality because I don't think people are waking. Oh, no, I don't think I know for a fact people are not waking up because the propaganda machine still has people's minds because we just seen a shift in the narrative from COVID to the whole, you know, the whole the Ukraine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say know? that, too. We went from one fear to another right. basically overnight. It was just yep. like and I was just like, wow, do people love their fear? That's all I keep thinking. They just. They can't wait for the next fear to come along so they can be scared of something else and and shut their mind down. I'm just like, I couldn't believe it. Like, they it, it just pivoted. Not only you hear nothing really about COVID, and it's all about the Ukraine and Russia now. It's yeah. incredible. And I have people, too, I was telling you that will tell me, like, I'll say, you know, the media lies. And they, they generally will agree, yes, the media is lying to us and and whatnot and they're not saying the truth that's going on out there and then they'll even go far so far to say that the medical medical establishment and big pharma doesn't really care about our health and it's not about curing anything or it's all about money and control and they'll agree with that but then when the next you know when it came to covid and the war in the ukraine and all of that they they seem to buy it right away it's it's really a weird thing when you see it like it's like they know that it's not that they're lying but they still believe the lie I, it's really a strange thing when you start seeing it yeah the mainstream media has people's minds locked and caged, oh, for sure yeah you for know sure and and speaking of fear a means that they use to put off this fear is through these means of punishment so you have a positive punishment and remember if it's positive there is a stimuli that is being added. So a positive punishment would be if you are training a, a dog, you, you know, you may discipline, slap, kick, you know, because no one wants to have that violence done against us. Right. Um, a positive punishment would be spankings. You know, you know, the whole the whole means of spanking your child. That is a positive punishment because you are introducing unfortunately violence to your child in order to get them to not do a certain behavior you know this is what we've seen you know with the whole COVID nonsense you know um you know them locking people up because they wanted to go out in public you know not wearing a face diaper or yeah. or you know you know closing people's businesses because they were just trying to you know feed their family a positive punishment is pretty much you make it an example of someone, you know, like mm -hmm. physically, you know, mm -hmm. like you introduce your stimulus, you know, you send the order followers to go get them and you're going to make an example of them. So then a negative punishment would be you take away something that the subject likes. You take away something that the subject wants. So a negative punishment would be a threat like, hey, if you don't go get this vaccine, then you will not be allowed to open up your business or, or if you do not, um, you know, you know, go along with the whole Nazi style Gestapo showing up papers, you will not be able to function into society because they know that you need to be able to function in, you know, like in society. You need to be able to go get groceries, you know, like, you know, interact with people. Mm -hmm. But in order to weaken that behavior, they threaten you to say, Hey, if you don't do this, then we will take away this. 
This is how operant conditioning works. This is how they get people to fall in line. This is the same thing that happens in schools. This is the same thing that happens in cults. 100%. And people wonder why people just fall in line and people say, well, I don't want to lose my job. You know, well, I don't want to lose my paycheck. Well, I don't want to be ostracized because the conditioning in their minds have been set and they have not even brought this understanding to a conscious level. That's why I always say people will revert back to whatever form of conditioning or programming, rather it be negative programming or positive programming. That's why in order for us to change the conditions, we have to understand these things. We have to understand how mind control works. We have to understand and even the playing field when it comes to knowledge. And this is why we are losing this because people are trying to fight a physical battle when in actuality, the real battle is internally. It's a mental battle. It's mm-hmm. just manifesting itself on the physical plane because people haven't done the shadow work. People haven't changed their own minds. People haven't changed the way they think. People haven't changed and what they believe, people haven't changed the way they see other people. People haven't changed the way they see the world. Mm-hmm. So they are still operating in these negative means of programming. These egoist, uh, egoistic, selfish, more relativistic, you know, how you know how mindsets. Yep, yep. And I and I totally agree. And that that's I hear a lot of people too say that like nothing ever changes. Um, I hear a lot of people actually on interviews that I've that I've listened to and that and uh, watched, and they say that nothing is ever nothing ever changes, you know. And we keep voting different people in, and it's not changing, and everything's staying the same, or if it's getting worse. And it's exactly what you're saying is that we're we're not fighting. You can't fight it at that level. It's not a like I keep saying. It's not a voting problem or anything like that. It's something very. It's way deeper than that. <laughs> like it's, we're not going to vote this problem away. Uh, and I've heard people that are really deep into religion saying, you know, you hear a lot from the religionist people that, you know, Jesus is going to come down and God's going to come down and save us all. Or you hear it from the UFO community that they're waiting for the aliens to come down and and help us in that. And it's always looking for an external savior. When it's not going to – and nothing's going to change with those, that hopeful thinking. You have to start turning in on your – and looking in on yourself and the, why you believe what you do and and everything that you're saying. And that nobody's willing to do that work, and it is work. Right, right. You know, so this ultimately gets to the main crux of the problem is because I see a lot of people saying they want freedom. They are talking about the loss of rights. They are talking about, you know, the whole tyranny that has just infested the whole planet like a cancer. Yep. You know, but you ask them, it's like, hey, do you even know what a right is? And they can't define it. So it's like, okay, you're saying you are losing something, but yet you yourself can't define what you are claiming to lose. Yeah. And I've Just tried like, that on people. Just yeah. tell me what, give me the simple definition of a right. And I was shocked that nobody could do it. Right. <laughs> if they could, I'm like, no wonder we're losing our rights. They we're losing things and nobody, they say they want them, but they don't even really know what they are. Right. Like incredible, incredible. And then you have a lot of people talking about freedom, but they never mention objective morality. Never, you know, yep. You know, so this is going to transfer me over into my next, you know, you know, how we're talking is objective morality. A lot of people 
sadly are still in this moral relativistic, you know, you know, mentality. Mm-hmm. They don't understand that right and wrong are set in stone. They exist outside of the perception of mankind. Right and wrong are not dictated by any man. It's not, it's not dictated by any group of men. It's not dictated by any woman. It's not dictated by any group of women. It's not dictated by anything that you identify as. It show hell ain't dictated by government. I was just going to sh- say that same way. I was going to say it sure as the hell ain't by the government. <laughs> yeah. And, and look, it show hell ain't, it show hell ain't dictated by no hell religious book or by any religious sect. Mm-hmm. Right and the wrong have to be discovered. We have to open up our consciousness and discover it because the truth is discoverable. And that's where most people fail is they think that they can stay in their mindset of moral relativism. They think that, you know, government creates what's right and wrong or even worse. They think that, hey, I get to create what's right and wrong. You know, they'll say right and wrong is subjective. I mean, just just consciously think about it. You're saying that right and wrong is subjective. With that mentality, you can justify violence. You can justify murder. You can justify rape. Yeah, you can justify, justify pedophilia. Thank yeah. you. Yes. Thank Anything. you. And that's that's the problem with people. It's people who are saying, well, you never know why that person may have done No. I don't care why they did it. What I, what I care about is that they did it because it was morally wrong. You can't justify a man raping a, a woman. You can't, like, you can't justify her pedophilia. That like that sick, twisted mentality, and the other thing that moral relativism that moral relativism does is it keeps the system of slavery in place because then you can justify slavery. So it keeps the ones who are in power, you know, the social engineers, it keeps them in in place because people will make justifications on why they are doing it. Well, you know. You know, they are the apex predator. Well, you know, God selected them and gave them more favorable genes. Well, you know, things have always been this way. So, you know, you know, you know so that's they have to be humanity. this way. Yep. That's yeah. humanity. Well, that's how oh, humans act. Oh, oh, oh. Here's another good one. Well, you know, the Bible said that, you know, you know, God ordained them as far as being the slave master. So, you know, you know, God ordained it. So it must be moral. Like, like get. Get the hell out of here. I'm trying to watch my language here, you know, because these things kind of rile me up. But Me too. I, me too. But, but I don't care what your book says. There is no authority invested in man. Authority is invested in the truth, in what's right, and natural law. You know, so, you know, so let's define what natural law is because when people hear this they think of social darwinism that's, and that's what the yeah every yeah. time that's what they go to is, is yeah. darwinism survival of the fittest law of the yep. jungle that's what i hear every single yep, time every i bring time. it up yep yeah it shows how well the social engineers control people's mind i mean like literally he molded you know people's minds like putty and like clay so so natural law has nothing to do with man's law it has nothing to do with the courts. It has nothing to do with positive law. It has nothing to do with social Darwinism. It has nothing to do with egoism. Natural law is a set of universal, binding, immutable conditions that govern the consequences of behavior for intelligent beings. And I'm going to say that again because people will always regard to, well, you know, well, what about animal kingdoms? Yep. Or, well, the animal kingdom is not as intelligent as we are like the animal yeah. kingdom doesn't have a neocortex as developed. An animal kingdom, I'm sorry, the animal kingdom isn't even capable of language. Exactly. They made 
you, you know, hell, they may regurgitate language or mirror language, but they're, you know, like the brain capacity is not capable of language. Yeah, that's so, what I try to tell people. I'm like, you're, 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 you're saying that about a, an animal. I'm like, you're not going to be sitting down with your dog or cat anytime soon talking about mathematics and science and stuff like that. Like, yeah. they don't have the brain capacity for it. You're, yeah. you're totally getting off, like, you know, you're wrong when you go about that thought process that, you know, you have to have the brain capacity to understand it. It just shows how they see themselves as animals, yep. which is a very sad state because do we have an animalistic capacity to us? Yes, but we also have something that is far, far more greater. And that's right. called, you know, you know, a neocortex, the spirit, you know, you know, have the soul. That doesn't mean that animals don't have, you know, have their own, you know, have their own variant. But I like I'm not aware of any animal in the animal kingdom that has done more destruction and more creativity than man. Mm-hmm. So, again, I'm going to define what, you know, what natural law is, a set of universal binding immutable conditions that govern the consequences of behavior for intelligent beings. So to sum it all up, it is just cause and effect, you know, because you can't do anything without an effect and all the effects have a cause. So no matter what we do, as far as behavior and actions, we put it out into the world. The universe is going to mirror and give us that exact same reflection. So just think about it. If morality is based in something that is set in stone, so right and wrong are set in stone, which can never, ever be changed. It doesn't it doesn't matter what you try to do. You cannot change what is morally right and morally wrong when it comes to actions with other people. I'm not talking about, you know, her actions with yourself. You know, people's consciousness aren't even that far. So, you know, so let's stick with the basics. We're talking about actions with other people, actions and behaviors. You know, so, you know, so you have two people who are, are, are interacting. Okay. So you go out and you steal from someone. You go out and you murder someone. You go out and you, um, you vote to change the slave master. Well, the universe is going to give you that exact same behavior and action right back at you because the universe is almost like a big mirror and it's going to mirror our actions you know this has been called the law of attraction um you know um it's been called a universal law it's been called god's law it's been called um yeah 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 because that's what it is It, it is karma but don't look at it so much as individuals look at it in the collective because what we are seeing now in the form of chaos, in the form of entropy, in the form of slavery, in the form of violence, by law, by definition, if you truly understand what I am saying, then you know definit- definitively in your whole being that majority of the people, majority of the individual on this planet are immoral. They have to be immoral by law because if they wasn't, we would not be seeing these conditions present itself. Because if people were good, moral individuals, we would be free because freedom and morality are tied together. Freedom and morality are directly proportional. You know, objective morality and, and freedom are tied with each other. So what I'm saying is as freedom increases, then objective morality in the population will increase. So it also works in its opposite. opposite as yeah. as freedom decreases, then immorality and slavery will 
you know, hell is going to increase because slavery and immorality are tied to each other. This is how you can understand what I'm saying is go and look at every great society throughout history. Every single one of them, the Roman Empire, uh, the Egyptian, you know, you know, hell empire, the Sumerians. What was the one thing that brought them all down? The one thing they all started to believe in moral relativism. They all started to believe that, hey, man is the creator of rights. You know how the government gets to create rights. And then by law, you start tumbling down uh, a black hole that you are never, ever going to escape from. And that's the exact thing that we are seeing now is most people would say that right and wrong come from God or creator or not from government. But then but then they're the same clowns who go out and vote. Them the yeah. same clowns who say we need government. And when someone says we need government, the only thing that you are saying is we need slavery, slavery. Be- yep. because government is slavery. Like the word government to govern means to control. The prefix ment, M-E-N-T, comes from man's menti, yep. the Gunnery. mind. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so you can bind the two. And yes, govern does come from the word you know, gubernare, you know, to, to control, to pilot, to steer. So you control someone's mind, just like in slavery. You couldn't get the physical slavery without the mental slavery because in the slaves' minds, they literally thought that they were means of property owned by the master. So then, therefore, it manifested itself onto the physical planes in physical slavery. So government is slavery. Anyone who believes in government, you support slavery. It doesn't matter if you believe in democratic socialism or, or, or you know, hell, uh, you know, a constitutional, you know, a republic it doesn't matter if you believe in communism. It doesn't matter if you believe in socialism. It doesn't matter if you believe in libertarianism. They're all supporters of slavery. Some more than others, yeah. Some even way, way, you know, worse than others, like communism and socialism and fascism. But you all believe in statism, the belief in authority, which is the most dangerous religion because government is a religion. It is. A yeah, I have trouble. Yeah, for sure. And I have trouble telling when I tell people that that government is a religion or a cult or they really have trouble believing that. I think that they just they've never well, they've never ain't never looked into it. But when I do tell people that, like, you know, if you're a supporter of, of government, you're a supporter. That's a religion, just like money is just, yeah. like, you know, and, and I think people have a hard time with that, Brandon, believing that that. That's what they're supporting, but they are. It's just it's just truth. Because in their mindset, the word religion is just like Christianity, yes, you know, right. you know like Dom, a uh, Buddhism, Judaism. But yeah. the etymological meaning of the word religion, Latin religare, yep. to tie to hold back. Yep, the thwart. So, yep. So, so anything that is holding back our consciousness from evolving, anything that is holding back our consciousness from advancing is a religion. Religion, yeah. And government and the belief in government is the biggest thing. So, yes, government is a religion by definition because it is a cult. And even if you look at, you know, you know how Christianity, it, it, it comes from the astro theological cults. So does Judaism. It comes from the old ancient cults, uh, uh, the Saturnian cults, or the stellar cults, or the lunar cults. 
Yeah. But you see, people don't have this occult understanding because well, that's the think, thing. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just want yeah. to say the reason that, and I, the, because uh, every, when I talk to people and I bring it, as soon as I bring up the occult, their mind automatically goes to the Hollywood variant of like, you know, there's people in black robes, um, sitting in a graveyard sacrificing an animal and they're, you know, that long of lines and they don't realize that occult, it just means hidden. Like they don't, they, the programmers have done a great job in taking words and twisting them to mean something that they don't. So. Yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just want to let you know that that's what I'm dealing with. Where in my end here is as soon as I start bringing up the occult, that's what they start talking to me about is the Hollywood variant of it. Yeah, because what was the third means of cult indoctrination? Repetition. Repetition. They've had this stuff repeated over and over and over again. And that's why so many people, you know, subscribe or equate natural law to social Darwinism mm-hmm. because it's be, it's been repeated over and over. And people have never, ever sat down to challenge what has gone into their mind, have challenged what they believe, has even challenged, you know, like everything that they've ever known to be real. That's why you have people thinking that they can create what's morally right. So imagine seven and a half billion people, you know, held with that same mentality. And we wonder why the planet is just going to a full blown communistic dictatorship, you know, you know, like it'll it'll be worse than you know the the USSR block or you know the whole Gestapo because with the technology and the completely immoral order followers. But now we know it is because people have lost sight of right and wrong. I mean, yeah. people are stuck in hell, egoism. They're stuck in service to self. They are stuck in, in greed. I heard I overheard a woman Saturday because I was working. And it was just irritating me. You know, here in the States, you know, like the housing market is just so corrupt. Like the prices have skyrocketed. Yeah, here too. Yeah, prices here for houses have went crazy. But that can only happen if the immoral garbage individuals weren't doing it. So Mm -hmm. what I'm saying is anyone who is involved in that is an immoral piece of shit. Mm -hmm. But this woman was just bragging and boasting and loving all the money that she's giving from selling these overpriced houses. That's greed. And wow. imagine, imagine being in that mindset. You just bragging because, you know, you're just selling these, you know, selling these houses to the highest bidder. That's the whole service itself. Now imagine everyone acting that way. Everyone, will, everyone backstabbing each other just to get some fake piece of paper. No one cares about morality. No one cares about principles. No one cares about integrity. No one cares about anything with true value. It's all what can I get now for myself, for my family, and and for my so-called loved ones. That's how an animal acts. I wanted to go tell this woman, like, you immoral piece of garbage. You are <laughs> an animal. You 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 are such trash you're not even worth talking to but but you know the problem is you go out and you speak these truth to people you're the one who gets you know you're the one who gets penalized you're the one who gets ostracized you know you're the one who gets attacked by the mob you're the one who gets attacked by the cult because like oh you don't think like me you're an outsider so you're evil yep. and, and that's how most people act and let's look at the corporate world. We all know how the, the corporate world is. You know, the whole service itself, stab people in the back. But yet we still see idiots to, who are willing to go in and join these immoral jobs, these immoral corporations. 
because they're not worried about how how right and wrong and he's you know like hell in the whole corporate hell in the whole corporate atmosphere they're only worried about profit it's funny how nothing has really changed in the old day people worship the prophets in today's day and age people still worship prophet it's yeah. just spelled differently you know so so you know people worship money you know so we have the belief in authority and then the whole religion of money you know because they're both just different forms of slavery yep. and people people love slavery man because they that's have what become, i've been saying too yeah. they love their chains that's the one thing yeah. i've learned by through they, all the research i've done boy do they do does humanity love their shackles yeah they have become so attached to their means of ego to their identity to their material possessions that they don't want to let go they are willing to die and take whatever means of possession to the grave because they don't want to change. They don't want to do the shadow work. They don't want to admit that they were wrong. They don't want to admit that objective morality and objective right and wrong does exist. You know, so a right would be an action or behavior that is true. It is moral and it does not initiate harm to another sentient being because it adheres to natural law. And ask, and ask people that definition, they can't give it to you. I right. tried that. I tried that too. Mark Passio is good at doing these little challenges because you you listen to him too, so I know you've heard him say that. Like, just go ask people mm-hmm. on the street corner, like you know, if they know what a right is, if they give you a definition, or if they believe in objective morality, or even know the meaning of it, and all of. And I go out and do that. I'm like, I'm going to go try this, and it, it's shocking when you do it. It really yeah. is. Yeah, because you can really get a feel for the individuals in your area on where their consciousness is at. You know, so when things get, you know, when things get really, really bad, just imagine, you know, you know, like these people will be willing to murder you to take what you have, steal from you, you know, rape you, pillage everything that you have just to get what they want. You know, so, you know, like we're talking about one of the main things that people will are running away from which is the understanding of natural law the understanding of objective morality and another thing that people are running away from at a thousand miles per hour is shadow work they oh, for sure don't, yeah. they don't want to go within their own selves to to bring that shadow to bring that trauma to the conscious level they don't want to heal themselves they just think well you know i'm fine in this mindset shadow work is hard I am going to tell you the truth. It's not something that's going to be easy. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. It's going to take time. But, you know, the whole point of it is to, is for you to use a means to bring your trauma, certain aspects about yourself that you may not feel comfortable with, you know, um, um, some inadequacies that may be internal. Something may have happened to you when you was young, you know, something may have happened to you when you was in middle school. Something may have happened to you when you was in high school. Some form of trauma that is there that needs to be healed, that is constantly working its way back up to the surface. It is begging to be healed, but yet people don't want to heal that. So then, therefore, you are just going to keep repeating your same mistakes over and over and over again. It could be in relationships. It can be in meeting people. It can be in jobs. It's, it's, it's you see this means of repetition happening over and over then that means you have some form of trauma there and that's what the shadow work is supposed to be there to help you do uh shadow work help introspection understanding you know you coming to understand who you are 
you come into an understanding of your own darkness because we all have a darkness. Yeah. We all, we all have, have trauma. We all yes. have trauma in some form or another, whether you want yes. to believe it or not, you, you we have it. And you're either dealing with it or you're not is w- yes. when you boil it down. You're either dealing with it or you're being ruled by it. And that's the problem yep. is people's shadows have merged with their ego. And that's where it can become deadly is their ego and their shadow have merged together. And that is a dangerous individual because that's the individual who doesn't want to change. That's the individual who, who thinks that they are right, who thinks that they know it all. And then they are operating on an illusion, on a fake proxy, on a mental insidious virus, you know, because there's nothing more wrong than being, a, you know, you know, than thinking that you're right when you were actually wrong. You know, but we all know that we all know that person who doesn't want to take responsibility, doesn't want to admit that they bought into a lie, thinking that they know it all, thinking that they are right. And. You know, and blaming everybody that, else. I know a yep. lot of people that blame everybody else. Everything in their life is somebody else's fault, and yep. it's never their fault. <laughs> and I'm yep. just like, wow. Like, I mean, they never point the finger at themselves, and that's yep. what part of the shadow work is. You have to do that if yep. you're going to get over this. You have. It's for me. It was the foundation of learning about myself and natural law and uh, objective morality. That was my foundation, and it was the shadow work, which I still do. I tell people I do it every day question things and i question why i believe the things i do and things that went on in my life that i you know that i know were traumas that i have to confront and people like you said they do not want to do that brandon they run the other way a thousand miles an hour when you ask them to start confronting themselves and what and i liked what you said we were talking offline like i tell people you got to sit by yourself and confront yourself and you said and that i think a lot of people think that means bring your phone with you or bring your tablet and no, no, I'm talking no technology around you, just you and yourself and your thoughts yep. sitting quiet. And it's and people say, that doesn't sound hard to do. And I like I always tell people, try it. Try it. Back yeah. to me. <laughs> you get won't last five minutes. Yep. Yep. Most people won't even last five minutes because because their trauma is, is so deep and so dark. When they start to creep up, they are going to be crying like little babies. Mm-hmm. Going to be crying like crying like little babies. And one thing that I want to mention about natural law is natural law is supposed to help us or guide us to go within our own selves. You right. know, because the principles of natural law, um, there's not enough time to get, you know, like to get into them. But right. I'll have you, you back know, on it someday again. We're going to talk more. Trust me. Yeah, so it'd be great. You know, thank you, thank you. The seven hermetic principles. You know, mm-hmm. they are within you, and they also are within nature you know so how natural law is supposed to help us to help us understand ourselves and and a guiding tool you know it is it's like you playing a game and you know the rules of the game so it can make that experience so much better or you can be ignorant to the game and just totally being destroyed by each level because you don't know how things operate like that's like that's humanity is we are trying to function in in a a reality that's like a game, but we don't understand the rules. And so, everybody's making their own rules as they go. Yep. So I mean, how are we gonna how are we gonna change anything if everybody's got their own set of rules? Right? Yeah. We, there's no cohesion. There's no understanding. Nothing. There's no clarity. And clarity is important because with clarity comes definition. It, you know, how with clarity comes how understanding, how knowledge. We have to understand these things. Hell, that's why I said natural law is meant to be discovered. 
It's like we were created, right? And God gave us the ultimate, the ultimate responsibility and the ultimate gift, free will. Because if, if we were not gifted with free will and God just controlled everything, then that's slavery. Yep. You know, hell, that's slavery. So, yep. so we were given the gift of free will to learn, to make mistakes, to grow, sadly, to suffer, you know, from our own ignorance. But that means we still have the capacity, the ability to change. Mm-hmm. But but with knowledge comes responsibility. And that's one of the main reasons why people don't want to know this stuff. It's because they, they I actually have someone, they actually... In like a five, ten minute conversation, they actually grabs everything about her natural law. So then he says, so you're trying to educate people? And I'm like, yeah. So then he was like, man, that is an amazing thing to do. But you realize how hard that is? And I'm like, yeah. He was like, good luck. I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, like it's not it's not easy. It's not easy. And that's why people don't want to get involved because it's like they see their responsibility that comes along with knowing this stuff, especially in these troubling times. You know, like you do have a more responsibility to try to put this information out. You do have a more responsibility to try to educate people. You do have a more responsibility to try to educate your own kids. It's not easy, you know, because maybe you'd be lucky if one in a thousand. You know, you know, would take this information, you know, but good luck trying to talk to someone, you know, you know, like one on one in like a group setting and try to get them to understand this stuff. It's like, no, it takes hours and hours and hours time you have dedication to actually know this stuff. You're not going to learn this stuff overnight. And that's why people don't want to get involved is number one. They don't want to invest and sacrifice the time it's going to take to learn this. And then even when you do learn it, that's only half the battle. They don't even want to invest in the technology and learning the technology and learning whatever skill sets are going to be needed to at least put this stuff out. Exactly. Because it is a moral responsibility. That's just like if you know someone is going to go out and do something extremely heinous. I'm talking about extremely dangerous to either children or, or I'm talking about like just going to do something that is completely immoral. Do you not have a moral responsibility to try to make sure that that does not happen? Because if yes, you sir. don't, your karma at some level, you are being, are you going to be, you know, you know, held as somewhat being guilty because you had the capacity to create some change, but you sat by and chose to ignore it. And yeah. And that's where I have a problem. And that's where we see people is a lot of people do know this stuff. A lot of people do know what's going on, but they don't want to take any action. You know, they want to stay in the realm of cowardice. They don't want to speak out because they are in fear, you know, and 100 percent. And uh, and I I find a lot of people I, I know they do know what's going on. They got a pretty good grasp of it. And they even know some people I know know about natural law and that they're taking in the information. But. They think that's kind of like where, like you said, the battle ends. Like they're like, okay, I'm educated, I'm learning, I know about natural law, about objective morality, and all of that. And then, but then I always tell them, like, now you've got to go out and start teaching it. It's not you can't just stop by taking in the information. Yeah, you've educated yourself and that, but you have to now start going out there and spreading the message and teaching people because that's why we're getting our ass kicked is that we don't have enough people out there speaking about natural law and. All the things that we talked about, where you have people that are just 
you know, they may be educating themselves, but they're not going out and doing their work. And, you know, they have a million excuses, like they don't know the technology, they don't, you know, whatever their excuse may be. And I just keep saying, like, they, we got, we have to get into this battle because we're kind of all scattered on this side when you got the, you know, the dark, like the dark psychologist of the elite, whatever you want to call them, the master psychologists that are running this world. They're working as a very big cohesive unit, getting the job done. And our side, we're all scattered all over the place, fighting with each other. I mean, it's no wonder where we are, like how we are. It, it's yeah. no shocker. I mean, what good is enlightenment if it's just you? Right. What good is right. enlightenment if you can't share that knowledge and experience with others? Yeah. You know, the ones who just want to know, they're still serving themselves. And mind you, I was in that mindset for about seven years, you know, just taking in more information, more information, more, too, more, yep. more, yep. you know, spending eight, 10, 12 hours a day just absorbing, absorbing, absorbing to the, you know, like to the point I thought like, my head was going to explode, but just like with everything else, there has to be some form of outlet because that pressure starts to build up and it's going to burst, you know. And I know there have been many other people who I have talked to who were in that same mindset, but I know we're getting close toward the end. But it's, yep, it's we still it, got like five minutes, so we're good. Yeah, it's about developing, you know, you know, some courage, you know, hell, developing those internal fulfillments and doing that shadow work that I really do think that people can really get involved right? and find a topic that you like talking about, find a topic that you enjoy. You don't have to know everything there is. No, because no one is going to know, you know, you you know, everything, but start off small and take baby steps, you know, just get involved. If you just have a phone, start recording yourself. You don't have to do presentations. You don't have to do two hour videos. You can do like five, 10 minute short videos. And as you get comfortable, you know, in that meet of repetition, as time progresses, then you can start to update. You can start to learn. You know, yes. you can get you a, a, a laptop, a microphone, a webcam. It's not that expensive these days. You don't have to go get, you know, like the most buku stuff. You can buy something, you know, you know, have whatever fits your budget. Mm-hmm. But are you willing to invest the time to learn? Are you willing to invest that attention? Because there is going to be a learning curve. You're going, you're going to have to learn this technology. You, you're going to have to learn how this stuff operates. And be willing to admit you're going to get things wrong. You're going to mess up. You're going to have problems. Oh, yeah, I do all the problems. time. Yeah. <laughs> I do you're all the have time. All your problems. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it is in that means of chaos. That's how you learn. You know, a little bit of chaos is necessary. A little bit of chaos is healthy because that's what causes us to learn more and go over that gap, you know, because if things were just perfect all the time, then that would be bliss, you know, then we wouldn't, we wouldn't never really need to learn anything, you know, but yeah, I've had technological issues, video problems. Oh yeah. Uh, Yeah. I didn't even, like I tell people, I didn't even know OBS like eight or nine months ago. Somebody said I needed OBS. I'm like, what is it? What's an OBS? Like, I honestly didn't know. I didn't know what, and then I didn't know what PowerPoint was because I want to start doing presentations. So now I'm learning that. I started learning that a couple of weeks ago because I, I know I'm going to have to learn these things if I want to start doing the great work. And, and then so one thing, like you said, Brandon, people don't want to take, that's the one thing people don't want to give up is the time. They don't want to sacrifice the time that it takes to learn this and then learn the technology side of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a uh, funny thing real quick. 
about OBS is the first time I started messing with it, it started off good, but then I started changing some settings and I screwed <laughs> up my video encoding to where, oh, to no. where like, yeah, yeah, to where it threw my audio off from, you know, have my video and then, you know, like I just scrapped OBS, but it was still in the back of my mind. And then a, a few months later, like three, four months later, I tried it. You know, hell again, and and I got everything fixed. But it's just be willing to make mistakes. For but sure. Don't right. let that mistake, you know, have bring you down. You know, yep. that's at the point to where you just throw it, it all off. Be willing to right. learn and grow and expand your learning. Perfect. Exactly. I couldn't have said it better. And uh, just to get, we got a couple of minutes left, Brandon. I want to give you the floor. Let everybody know where they can find your work. Uh, anything that you want people to know about yourself, go ahead and let everyone know. The floor is yours. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you can find me on the Odyssey platform. It's just Brandon Spencer. Uh, I post a lot of, um, of my content and a lot of Manly P. Hall's work. You know, he was, is a great teacher. Um, and, and, and I also post a lot of videos of other influential, you know, videos that have helped me on my, you know, on my journey that have been taken out on other platforms. I'm also on YouTube, but I don't really endorse it. You know, how too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on BitChute. Um, and I am also on the One Great Work Network along with the other wonderful content creators, you know, who Amazing are stuff there. Yes. Amazing. Yes. Yeah, I learned so much from watching all those creators. And uh, I like I said, I found you on your YouTube uh, channel. I found that presentation. And I've been watching your other stuff on there. And amazing stuff. I suggest people, please go check out Brandon Spencer on YouTube and all the other like I said, the, we got the One Great Work Network. Uh, you can check them out there. So I want to thank you, Brandon, for taking the time to come and see us and talk about these important topics. Uh, thank you so much. And you're always welcome to come back. And we can continue where we left off and cover more topics. You're always welcome to come back, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the uh, show, Rick. Very much. Thank pleasure. you. Thank you so much, and uh, I will uh, just stay on. And I'm, actually, I'll get, I'll, I'll hang up, and then I'll get a hold of you right after this. All right, all right, all right. Take care, guys, and thanks for listening. And I'll see you next Monday with another great guest. And we got the Fenton perspective up next.
This is Thomas, a.k.a. a mad painter. I'd like you to join me Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Open Canvas. Don't forget to bring an open mind. Yes, folks, that's right. Bring an open mind to an open canvas. Again, that is Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern. You oppose government corruption. This is Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. I am Bill Johnson. Some consider my efforts to be an underground law school. I am not an attorney, and I do not give legal advice. I teach. That's lawful and legal. Consider yourself served. You are to appear Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, Studio 